Greetings and welcome to St. Dominic's Weekly. This is Father Michael. We have for you on the podcast today the very first part of our deep dive into C.S. Lewis's screw tape letters. We talk about the strategies of Satan and tempting as it has to do with how Satan distracts us, how he discourages us, how he weaponizes our family relationships, how he emotionalizes our prayer, how he swings the two-edged sword of suffering, and finally how he fearfully invades our heart. And so whether you're on the go or taking it slow, many, many blessings as you enjoy the first part of Tape Letters and our show. Greetings and welcome back to St. Dominic's Weekly. This is Father Isaiah. That's Father Michael. Here we are for the much-anticipated and mm-hmm. promised episode of Tape Letters. We've been, you know... Dropping hints about this we, for like what six weeks now? More than dropping hints, <laughs> <laughs> we've been we've been promising uh, this for a little a while. Very excited, so excited! I'm just I just kind of got the camera a little bit out of focus, but now I think we're focused up. And uh, this is, in fact, such a rich text that we have before us. As I began uh, to reread it, it's the first time I've reread it fully, cover to cover, um, since I think I first read it, or maybe maybe it's been it's been several years for sure. Mm-hmm. I've, I've dipped back into particular chapters and yeah, themes. But I don't know, have one, 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 do you remember the first time you read Screwtape Letters? High school. High school, really? Yeah, okay. I went to a public high school and my, um, I didn't realize until years later, but my English teacher at the time, he was a pretty devout Christian. So he okay. allowed us to w- read a lot of GK, a lot of C.S. Lewis. It was it was great. So it was nice. And yeah, it was junior high school. Thank you. Yeah. Very good. So yeah, and I, I, it wasn't until a little bit later on uh, in college that I, I read this, but just there was so much. I thought, well, rather than do simply one uh, podcast, let's just work through it so so yeah. this could be the the first of a multiple series yeah three or four so we're having a series within the series series within the series okay. so this will be screw tape letters part one yes. part one and as long as we're, we're kind of starting it off just to give a little context of when it was written of course uh, who c.s lewis is mm-hmm. uh so what would just one minute on, yeah well clive staples just maybe give a a minute bio or information of him the his friends knew him as jack yeah which made me think, and that, that came up earlier, and I was thinking, I, we should name this segment, You Don't Know Jack. Okay. I <laughs> think <laughs> nothing, nothing. Well, I thought that was, you know, I, I kind of, I thought that had a little, a, a little, a little, a little pop to it. No, you're not, you're it not does. fine. All it right, does. All right, all right. No, it's just that the old guy that I am, I'm thinking about that, like, old school video game, You Don't Know Jack. You don't know, myself. oh, there's a video game? Yeah. Oh, I don't. I don't, I don't so know. The it's old a school. trivia kind of bargain oh, kind of oh, thing. Oh, game show. I got mm-hmm, you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, okay. Game show. Yeah. Nice. You don't know. Okay. Well, that's yeah. nice. You don't know. So, so here's something. Yeah. Did you know? No. <laughs> did you know? Thanks for playing along. <laughs> did you know <laughs> that Jack Lewis is Irish? Really? Yeah. See. Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm glad you read that. That's a real surprise right there. Yeah. He's born in Northern Ireland. He's not British. He's Irish. Really? Yes. Okay. Oh, nice. All right. Nice. Victory. Okay. okay there we go. read first, this biography again. First, okay. Yeah. First episode, he's from Northern Ireland. Yeah, exactly. He's Irish. Um, and so that's one of your people. No wonder. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Victory. <laughs> you don't know Jack. Ding. I don't. Okay. So we got to have, have a sound effect. Ding. Every time. Yeah. Like, I learned something new. Okay. So uh, the other the other part of the biography that always is, is that of, uh, certainly lots of his apologetic work mm-hmm. comes from a place of real theological philosophical reflection and he was raised in a christian home yeah 
he actually falls away from yeah. any kind of faith, right? He so was kind of an, uh, he declared himself an atheist for a very long time. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So he's, he, he was raised in the uh, Irish Christian, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. He's not, I don't think we associate him as Irish because he wasn't, not Catholic. wasn't Catholic yeah. and was the kind of the Anglican form of Catholic, uh, of, of, of Irish, uh, very small kind of grouping of kind of Irish Anglicans. Right. Right. But he fell away very quickly from that mm-hmm. in his youth and only comes back gradually uh, to the faith uh, through reading through arguments. We'll see very much screw tape letters might be seen as autobiographical in a way. Yeah, yeah. I can in, see why you say that. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so that, that kind of gives you. Now, of course, he's uh, born at the turn of the century, uh, mm-hmm. 1898, I believe. And yeah. he has then uh, this uh, sense of um, real struggle with the faith in his early life. Mm-hmm but connects with, and this once again plays a part in Screwtape Letters about friendship and the need for friendship. He connects with uh, this group of uh, thinkers, writers, poets, mm-hmm. uh, the Inklings. The Inklings. Tell me yeah. a little bit about, do you know much about the, do you have an inkling about the Inklings? A little bit of an inkling about yeah. the Inklings. I mean, like the two most famous members, of course, is C.S. Lewis and, and J.R.R. Tolkien, of R-R. course. Yep. You know, and they um, the place where they would um, share their share their pints and all that stuff was only if, what, not even... 20, 30 yards away from Blackfriars or our house of studies in, in, Lund- in Oxford. Now you've been to Blackfriars. Yeah. So yeah. did, did you go down to the Inklings uh, bar? You had to make pilgrimage, right? Nice. I'm glad. So tell me, yeah. give, so I've never been there. So give oh, me, give us, give really? me the 30, yeah, give me the 30 <laughs> second, give me the 30 second visual. Give me, what's, what, what's the, what, what's the name of the, the inn or the tavern? It's, it's a, called the Eagle and Boy. The Eagle and Boyd? Yeah. Okay. And Boy, and B-O-Y. Oh, okay. And, um, oh. and you enter in and there. The moment you enter in, there is a bench where it has a like, nice little plaque on the side that actually says this is where the Inklings would sit for their for their pints, and they would actually name all the um, Inklings that came over time. Nice. So, and of course, there was a, a, a brief stint where they actually were kicked out of the Eagle and Boy oh. for uh, a reason I never really got to. Uh, probably. I mean, <laughs> I would have to ask actually some of the viewers for a little more unpacking of that, where they actually went to a bar across the street. Ah. And then they were invited back to Eagle and Boy after that. So interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, and then for they come in pints. That's a, the joke from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> you remember the two yes. little? <laughs> now I do. Yeah. <laughs> they, they come All in these pints? British jokes, aren't they? They yeah. come in pints. Yeah, okay. in pints. <laughs> anyway, the uh, so they, part of that group and that sense of friendship too mm-hmm. certainly solidified his faith. Charles Williams, Owen mm-hmm. Barfield, others uh, part of that group, and from that then came this real wealth of literature, yes. amongst which Screw Tape Letters is one of them. Mm-hmm. So right off the or the beginning, if you turn the first page of Screw Tape Letters, you say this is dedicated to. J.R.R. Tolkien, Tolkien. Yeah. and you're like, oh wow! So, Wait a minute, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. so already he now, I, 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 I don't know this for a fact at all, but I wonder if the content itself, the fact that Screwtape Letters is a book about the strategies of Satan, mm-hmm. he might have been also uh, certainly affectionately uh, dedicating it to him in terms of uh, having his help and insight, but but also a little bit of a, an irony there as well, right? And of course, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, I would actually say that he actually wanted uh, his buddy. Jack to actually become a Catholic. So, yes. So he never really felt they completed the journey. <laughs> that's right. So. That's right. So it might have been a little, a little bit of a, a friendly a a, a nudge, a yeah. ironic nudge to him as yeah. well. That, that he's very, as we'll see, as C.S. Lewis, very willing to uh, hoist himself on his own little petard, petard himself mm-hmm. a little bit right. in, terms of, in terms of giving himself a little dig. Um, uh, other things about uh, the work itself, I think I described this even when we were talking about getting into it again and, and doing this very podcast. What struck me is hearing 
C.S. Lewis talk about the origin of screw tape letters as being born when he was hearing some of the propaganda that was coming out of Germany, mm-hmm. especially when he heard Hitler, that he, he was with a, a good friend, I think it might have been his, his, his personal physician, and he, they were listening, and he says, I know what he's saying is false. I know this is, uh, these are lies, but he felt moved by them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he felt yeah. like the, the, the rhetoric and at least the surface knowledge and the kind of the, the jargon and the slogans yeah. mm-hmm. that were being used. And the energy used. The and energy that, yeah. and everything mm-hmm. was just, just he, he felt himself being pulled by that. And he thought, wow, this, this kind of temptation or this kind of rhetoric really is not rational in a sense, but it, it's emotional. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's filled with emotion, jargon, slogans, a kind of political bent, and it can move people yeah. even despite you think about it, it's like, oh, well, that's, I agree with, you know, the fact that I, with one aspect of, of that, but not with everything. And in fact, it's a kind of perversion. Mm-hmm. Um, so then he thinks, okay, well, is there simile, is something similar for the Christian life? Yeah. Um, and as interesting too, I was thinking about this as I was reading, uh, the screw tape letters, of course, are, and we'll kind of get to what, what they are, but it's, it's interesting to know that they, they come from this great introspection of how evil can move us yeah. and the very project of saying that there are malevolent forces, mm-hmm. the devil, demons, forces of darkness that intend our tripping and falling, intend our, our evil for us, mm-hmm. you know, bad wishing for us is something that is perhaps even lost in the kind of modern day a sense of apologetic yeah. and theology and discussion. Um, there's something quite, I think, compelling about it, engaging, but something that you don't find often in, in Christian literature. I think, from my perspective, there's a way in which there's a modern sensibility of Christianity that all you do is profess. Jesus Christ is Lord. It's just you profess mm-hmm. with your lips, you believe in your heart, you kind of, faith is an emotional kind yeah. of thing, and once saved, always saved. But he, here's a Christian, this is mm-hmm. very much turn of the century, is a turn-of-the-century Christian, not a Catholic, a Christian, yeah. who says we need to develop a kind of strategy against Satan. In other words, yeah. Satan is strategizing against us. We have to be armed. We have to, right. you know, once saved, always saved? Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing in Scripture yeah. about that. Yeah, Those who say, that. Lord, Lord, Jesus says, yeah, he said, Lord, yeah. Lord. Mm-hmm. That doesn't guarantee anything. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, so anyway, right. just the idea of a kind of work or spiritual insight that there are forces that mean our harm, mm-hmm. that want nothing but evil for us. And so we can't, there is no project of a spiritual life. There, there is no spiritual journey <laughs> yeah. that doesn't take real initiative, right. force of will, God's grace, and yeah. real strategy, real yeah. practical. And a sense of danger. Things. A sense of yeah. danger, yeah, mm-hmm. that, that we could fail, fear and trembling, yeah. as the yeah. scriptures say. Yeah. So that's kind of the overall project, and, and very much, uh, he found it difficult. Uh, another little gem that I, that, did you know? No, I didn't. <laughs> Likely <he> thought, not. <laughs> did you know that he said this was the most difficult thing he ever wrote, and he was so done with it when he finished, and they were they wanted to, they ended up getting um uh, more. There's there's a sequel of more. Yeah, more, the toast, the toast, yeah. mm-hmm. the toast. But he he they basically had to. He was the only reason it was so popular. He How was much on, did they pay? He was, exactly, he was on the cover of Time magazine. It mm-hmm. was his introduction introduction to the uh, American audience, mm-hmm. uh, but he, he did not, it was not, this was not pleasant writing for him. It didn't come easily to him. And these uh, 31 letters uh, just took blood, sweat, and tears. Mm-hmm. They, you know, it's not that long, yeah. but it, it, it took him 
uh, quite a time to write. And he was writing these out. And the only reason why uh, I think he got it done is because he had deadlines. See, these were first published yeah. in The Guardian, yeah. uh, the uh, ecclesial um, kind of journal. It's kind of a like newspaper a, a newspaper, kind newspaper of thing, right? for uh, in England there. And so he was, it was Church of England. And so he, he very much had it like, okay, when's your next deadline? Newspapers have deadlines. So <laughs> the only reason deadlines. he got them done is because he had a boss. Yeah. If this was just a free form work, I'd, yeah. I, it's it's unlikely he yeah. would have maybe been able two to three letters maybe. Ex- exactly yeah. maybe well, they, and then they would have never been in a book form but they yeah. were he had he kind of a, he kind of turned to it so it's, it's interesting these sometimes great works of art just come really naturally neat. let's say mm-hmm. we had this idea that insight and genius just kind of flows just so yeah. easily and it's kind of natural. And yet, here's something, and this goes for lots of works of art, but or even for preaching. I know for preaching, yeah. there's a, there's a way in which uh, there there can be inspiration, there can be a sense of of talent, there can be a sense of giftedness, of charism, but very rarely do those things come together without hard work and right. without blood and sweat right. and tears and mm-hmm. the, the, the desk, uh, the, the wood of the desk and not the wood yes. of the cross, but the wood of the desk. Right. So, exactly. So yeah. I thought those were interesting. That, there was a, another, did you know segment as, as we get into that, that yeah. he really found these very, as, as easy as they are to read and you can breeze through mm-hmm. each that if you've, if you've read these, um, you know, they're, they're, they're very approachable, easy. Mm-hmm. You can pick up, read a letter, you know, easy reading, very difficult for him to write, very difficult for him to put together. Just really really did not where as in opposition to some of the fantasy stuff that he did right. Narnia and the space children the sci-fi that. it's sense. just right next to it yeah you know? he not that that was easy to write but he, he there was a flow there that he mm-hmm. found enjoyable that was actually enjoyable writing yeah. did not find this to be enjoyable writing which well, is interesting well it makes uh, sense considering so, the topic that's right? true talking about the devil as opposed to talking about Christ so let's do that <laughs> so let's get in Let, let's get into it so scripting letters uh, published uh, in book form in uh, 42 mm-hmm. uh, as I mentioned before uh, published in a series of uh, letters literally in the guardian mm-hmm. from uh, may to november of 1941 instantly popular people right. loved them especially in the united states kind of awakened or kind of introduced him to the american culture as i said time magazine and all the rest interesting though that he also said that even though he has the, the foreword that says this is um, this is not good advice. Like this is coming from the, the conceit is mm-hmm. to have the devil basically writing this yeah. mid-level devil writing this. He got, he got, he got, he said on first printing, he got many, many letters to the editor from clergymen canceling their subscription to the guardian because they were giving such terrible spiritual advice. They didn't read the foreword. No. <laughs> so I love only because in comments and in social media things, you, you, there's, there's always a few that just, don't get it. And yeah. So, so I, I, it's always, it was, it made me chuckle when I, when I heard that literally people, you know, cancel their subscriptions thinking that they did not see the irony, did yeah. not, didn't, didn't get the project. It's get so the, good. <laughs> and so ironic. Yeah, exactly. They thought it was serious. They thought it was serious. And like, yeah. this is terrible advice. It's yeah. almost like they're, it's almost, they said, it's almost as if this, um, this advice is diabolical. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the point? Which speaks to Lewis's genius of like of the well-roundedness of Wormwood and and screw tape in the first place. Anyway, so, so no no editors. Yeah. Uh, so he had he had a, he had to to publish a, uh, a, a an apologetic. A, probably. No, yeah, a little bit of an apology, little terse, a little terse thing that that there 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 perhaps was another option here that it wasn't just <laughs> it just wasn't just um, yeah. surface advice. You have to right. dig, dig deeper. So. 
Anyways, with having said that, the 31 letters, let's uh, jump in. For those who've read it, hopefully uh, this is uh, kind of ground that you're familiar with most recently. I think the strategy, I think, would be, first of all, let's just kind of talk about the overall work, maybe point out the main characters, Mm -hmm. and then we're just going to go chapter by chapter. I think we'll get through, hopefully, the first uh, six chapters uh, today. That'd be great. It's a good good time frame. And then... Uh, then kind of do a little bit of a summary, and then and then go on to the next do 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 the yeah. next one next week. So this is this is that. So to start us out, uh, the work is a work of of satirical irony, I would right. say, yes. and humor. Yeah. In the preface, he lets us know he has a couple of quotes. Uh, the one from uh, uh, Thomas More mm-hmm. is he says, "The devil is a proud spirit, and cannot endure to be mocked." So he sees this project as, in a sense, mocking the devil or mm-hmm. that the devil uh, can't take uh, a joke or can't right. take any ribbing. He's too self-serious. It also reminds me of the G.K. Chesterton quote that angels fly because... They take themselves so little seriously. Yeah, yeah. so lightly. Yeah, yeah, so they take themselves lightly. So they're not, they're not filled with the seriousness of gravity of levity so yes. angels fly because they they, they they levitate on their levity so there's mm-hmm. there's a, there's a way in which he's using humor and sarcasm as the engaging points for this um he kind of pokes himself a little bit where he in, in the great tradition of finding literature or framing literature uh, hypothetical kind of literature in the under the auspices of oh I just found this right this right. is not me this yeah. is just I'm just a reporter I'm not th- I'm I'm just the messenger you know yeah. don't, don't shoot the messenger don't uh, tell me don't ask how you I got these but here yeah, yeah. The, and there's lots this is, has deep rich rich traditions I'm thinking of um, uh, Don Quixote I don't know if you've ever mm-hmm. read Don Quixote mm-hmm. yeah. starts out with hey I just found this you know so and as he press or um, or uh, Michael Crichton I was thinking of him the other day oh so, really yeah he's uh, his work I think it's called Eaters of the Dead it's kind mm. of his take on Beowulf he has this, I think it's hilarious kind of uh, preface where he talks about, you know, he, he, he's writing, it's a first person thing of this person who takes this journey, which is similar to the Beowulf uh, epic. And he writes as if he finds these like lost archives, uh, but then, and then starts to critique the person who originally wrote it and then starts like critiquing the footnotes and stuff like that. So That's it's funny. this, it's this kind of meta. So it's very much a kind of, response to those who uh, Michael Crichton of course uh, not mm-hmm. a novelist by by first profession yeah. but so he's he's basically for those who were um, criticizing him for going to a kind of popular genre. He's a Jurassic Park guy yeah. and all the rest. Right. Those who are criticizing him being too popular, not studious enough and not researched enough. Yeah. He has this real real satirical thing where he begins to kind of like totally uh, kind of mock uh, the kind of uh, the nits and the pits of of, 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 of research kind of, and, of research yeah, and things yeah. like that as if he hadn't researched it. But doing that, kind of poking fun at himself in the same way as that. So I, that's one of my favorite. That's one of my favorite. That's little, very fourth I, I might have yeah. been I might have been amongst the handful of people who was laughing out loud in an epic story of Beowulf prologue but i but it was it was uh, when he starts nitpicking on the on the on the professors that that are all about the footnotes it was just it was hilarious. anyway he has a similar thing there where he just says basically uh he starts out by saying i have no intention of telling you how i got these letters but uh they fell into my hands which means that there's no doubt some the implication is there's some demon that's been at work on him and kind of left their their notes mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, at his place by absence or something like that, or or that he traffics in well-worn 
uh, roads where the devil might travel. Right. So he just kind of. <laughs> so I like that little. So it starts out with a little poking at himself. Right. Right. <laughs> Before yeah. he goes to the devil, he just says, I found this. And it's like, well, how did you find you know, the natural implications? I'm not gonna tell how you. did you come across diabolical yeah. letters? Well, I was in a place where that oh, might have been yeah. mislaid. Yeah. Anyway, so, <laughs> so that, the, the, the first thing is he's, he takes himself a little bit lightly yeah. on that. But he also then says something very serious about evil itself. And this is a theme that runs throughout all of right. the letters is that he says the way to go wrong is to be extreme. Yeah. So he says when it comes to the devil, when it comes to those forces of darkness, there's two extremes. On the one hand, we uh-huh. can say they don't exist. Right. Or we can say basically they are so fear f- fearful that we are either paralyzed by them or have a kind of um, kind of pull to them that we want to, we, we have a kind of over curiosity where yeah. suddenly the whole spiritual life is just about interacting with yeah. and mm-hmm. manipulating the power of, of earthly things or of, mm. of, of demonic kinds of things right. or, or other right. forcely, other worldly kinds of right. things. So, so a kind of unnatural attraction to the other worldly mm-hmm. says, no, we have to put things in the right place. And that's what he's hoping to do by this reflection mm-hmm. to show in a sense, how ordinary <laughs> we interact yeah. with angelic, uh, both spirits, either for good or for evil, mm-hmm. how ordinary that exchange is. And so they exist, but there's nothing fanciful about them, even right. though the story is a kind of uh, fantasy. And wh- where would you put this as a genre, do you think? It's kind of a satire, kind of irony. Satire, yeah. I mean, uh, that's the only, I mean, other words that come up to mind are like irony and, yeah. and uh those kind of words, I mean, apolo- not apologetics, not by... Yeah, no, at least know. not straightforward. The, yeah. the, the, my, my, the category, see what you think about this, hypothetical imaginings. That's, okay. That's my genre. That's what I'm talking about. Because it's Those like... Those are two uh, GRE <laughs> words right there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I guess. Good job. <laughs> Ding. Did you know? Here's Hypothetical a, <laughs> imaginings. Yeah, because wow. he engages your imagination. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, even with the... So the, the perspective is told from this... The, you've got mm-hmm. the characters. Just yeah. got to go through the characters. You've got Screwtape. Yeah. Who's the, oh, the, oh, he's the I. Right. And he's the kind of mid-level bureaucratic demon. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you've got Wormwood, who is he is, is advising. Also his nephew, which let's not get into that with yeah, the whole so family it, of demon thing. Yeah, so he has, he has this kind of, it's, I, I wasn't sure how to take that, especially yeah. like towards the end when, when it clearly does not have his yes, best Yes, in letter mind. 31, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, yeah. but <laughs> so yeah, so there's some kind of relationship there. Right. As you say, so you've got Screwtape, who is the kind of mid-level demon, who is kind of the, at least the, the well, well-experienced tempter. Mm-hmm. He's writing to this junior novice, right. Wormwood, mm-hmm. and he's tempting someone who's only identified as this British man. Yeah, the his, patient. The patient. The man or, yeah. yeah. Patient, it's a, the man. It's male. That's all we yep. know. Really. Um, and, uh, and then other characters that, that swirl around are, any of the human beings are just very typological. Mm-hmm. You know, the yeah. man or the patient. You've got... Mm-hmm. The mother. The mother. You have the girlfriend. The girlfriend. So the woman. Yeah. yeah the woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else do you have? You've got the friends. So there's yeah. there's certain friends. There's his church friends, and he's got his, uh, his kind of worldly friends yeah, that, mm-hmm. that, that 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 come about there. So that's kind of the, the the scope of of the people involved. Then you have the demons, and the demons all have these very visceral, incredible names, names, right? Yeah. And this is why I say hypothetical imaginings, because mm-hmm. he really engages the imagination. He he makes arguments 
in an imaginative way. So it's uh, that's why it, it feels very almost you kind of you kind of go to like you think of the Narnia, yeah, or you yeah. know, or Middle Earth or something yeah. like that. Uh, they got the kind of slob glob or, or slob glob. Uh, you have um, what, what are some glubos, of the glubos, which is the yeah, yeah. Glubose. So, yeah. Something like something scab. There was like a scab tree. That's what it is. Scab there's enough, tree. Yeah. yeah. So there's, there's a very visceral mm-hmm. kind of the, the, the and, and, and grotesque yeah. kinds of names that you kind of work your mouth around. Mm-hmm. And you can almost imagine a, a, gl- a slob glob. Yeah. And a scab tree. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, yeah. You, can, you can come up with an imagining for that. So it makes it makes it kind of real in that way. And so those are kind of the characters. And, they, and, and there's they don't say exactly how it is, but it's usually by suggest these temptations come kind of whisperings in the ear and suggestions mm-hmm. and nudges more than actually we're not talking about uh, possession or kind of taking no, over. No, the, no, no. the patient very clearly always has free will. Right. And that the forces of, of good and everything you have to make, everything's inverted. So the enemy mm-hmm. is God. God, yeah. <laughs> right? Our father below is... Our- Satan, Satan right? Right? Yeah. yeah, so our father, mm-hmm. so you read that and you're like, our father is Satan, the yeah. enemy is... is our father's is, is, house, yeah, yeah all these exactly. things, yeah. Um, there's mm-hmm. the noxious fog will come to, which is God's grace that, mm-hmm. that surrounds the patient. So basically, if he describes it as being um, somehow untoward or in, in a very vilified way, that's usually a good thing and mm-hmm. vice versa. So you kind of have to right. invert your whole... Yeah. But I think even the process of having to invert is a mechanism of engagement. What do you think about that? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just it for one thing, it speaks to gen- uh, just from a literary point of view, just the the genius that Lewis is. Yeah, of how to take all these kind of abstract theological concepts and invert it in such a way that I mean, that it's very real to us as mm-hmm. a reader. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah, and that's why, so hypothetical imaginings, that's what hypothetical I'm... Hypothetical imaginings. That, that's what, that's yeah. what I'm... That's if it's not a genre, we just made... <laughs> I just, we're making it up. We're making it up as we go along. But no, yeah. and, it, and that idea then that he, he clarified, and he does clarify the preface, this is the perspective of evil, this is not to be taken, but it's a kind of reflection into how we might be tempted. Right. And he doesn't say it here, but when he was asked about inspiration for this in terms of what he looked at or what he might be thinking about you think um some of the great spirits like the uh the desert fathers Mm -hmm. the -hmm. early ascetics um religious life saint benedict and others there's there's some spiritual masters that there are reflections of as we get into here but he said he was actually mostly and this is what made it so difficult um, just reflection on his own <laughs> spiritual life. Yeah. So this is why I said earlier that that in some ways this is uh, very semi, as he says, autobiographical. And he and he himself says the portraits that he draws of the different characters are fanciful in a way. There's mm-hmm. no one like the mother who's truly the way that he's perceived. So right, right, so right. here you screw tape is an unreliable narrator. Of course. Right. right? Yeah. So you have, of and course. once again, this is not a, this, that's not an unreliable narrator. We're perhaps used to in, in, in fiction these mm-hmm, days, mm-hmm. but it was something that's not, that wasn't widely employed as a mechanism for writing right. at the turn of the century. So it was, even that was kind of very, even the unreliable narrator as a point of engagement is there. Mm-hmm. So what do you have? You've got, you've got this, pull to this kind of creative imaginings, this hypothetical mm-hmm. imaginings. You've got humor, irony, 
you've got a sense of everything's inverted. So you have to kind of engage with it to kind of, you know, you get, your mind has mm-hmm. to transpose everything, right? right? Mm-hmm. So even there yeah. you're, you're kind of engaged and then you have an unreliable narrator. Yeah. So you're all, in other words, it invites you to engage with the text because yeah. you can't just take it at face value. You've yeah. got to, even to understand what's being said in a way, just at the surface level, you have to engage with the text and then it's funny. It's ironic. It's, it's, it's visceral. It's, yeah. it, it uses grotesquery to kind of like put a mirror up to ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's, it's deeply reflective. So, these are the reasons why why I think it's such a work of, of genius, and that might yeah. take us then to our first chapter. Are you ready? Barely. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this would take two minutes it's, and we'd start getting in. No, but no, 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 no. But it's so <laughs> we're fun, di- We're diving deep, no doubt. This is going to be a four-parter, I can tell yeah. already. <laughs> Anyway, at least, so, yeah. So chapter one, chapter one, chapter one. So let's let's do it. So I think the way to do this is maybe we'll just kind of each introduce chapters as we go yeah. along, and then summarize at the end kind of what we got out. I think to to give kind of just a little bit of a framework. These first six chapters that we're going or letters that we're going to do have to do with the kind of initial road to temptation that the devil mm-hmm. will take anyone yeah. just at the beginning. He's, he kind of starts uh, with the patient or the, the man being uh, kind of uh, nominally uh, aware of Christianity, but not fully kind mm-hmm. of uh, engaged in the church. And it kind of goes uh, from there. And it, and then at the end, by, by the end, kind of like wrap up and see what it is. So these are the strategies. So I think in these first six chapters, you see I think five strategies of Satan, we might call it. Right. Yeah. So and those, those strategies are a sense of distraction. We've talked about mm-hmm. that before. Yeah. Of discouragement or disappointment. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. A sense of um, weaponizing family, family. Yeah. <laughs> as a yeah. temptation. Uh, a sense of, of fear and mm-hmm. dwelling on that fear. And then attacking prayer, especially yeah. through the emotional life. So, so the, these are kind of ways. So dis, uh, the distraction, discouragement, um, poisoning, family relationships, focusing on, on fears. And, and then also this, this is maybe, um, this is in the, the fifth letter, uh, the, uh, way in which suffering can cut both ways. The two edged sword of suffering. It's a, yeah, yeah. The two edged sword of suffering. Okay. That's a strategy that Satan tries to, yeah. to wield yeah. in that way. So, so that, that, that's our roadmap for today. Let's launch into chapter one, which is what I think is the whole origin for these, these podcasts, because mm-hmm. when I, when I got back in with that, oh yeah, I love this. This is, he starts by saying yeah. basically that the road to hell is paved by the ordinary. Yeah. The choices we make towards simply not being able to be disciplined, not being able to um, focus, as mm-hmm. we talked about before. And if you're interested in, in more the unpacking of distraction, we have a whole podcast we did last week, how to fi- the last fix week? it, the fix it ex- episode. But uh, so we will we'll kind of naturally uh, go a little more quickly here. But the idea that distraction can keep us from what's most important. And here he particularly points out, he kind of throws things uh, uh, kind of upside down because he said the one thing screw tape says the one thing to warn with that you don't want the patient to consider is anything scientific yeah any kind of reasoning process yeah the last thing you want to do is actually have um actually have him learn and be taught and to engage his free will and his intellect to change for for what we would say for the better he says keep him from studying yeah now as a dominican you hear that and you're like pardon me <laughs> yeah, no, but you're, but, but yeah, on, if you're like, inverting yeah. that, you're like, exactly. Yeah. Like the spiritual yeah. life begins with study Yeah, because study keeps us focused and gives us a sense of reflection and articulation and definition. It, it kind of mm-hmm. helps us to put things in perspective, always gives perspective. Yeah. It helps us to navigate life. It helps us to reflect on life. It helps us to 
find significance and give order and meaning. And that's, that's the act of creation right there. God, what yeah. does he do? God in, in, in the Bible doesn't create stuff out of nothing. He brings order to the chaos, mm-hmm. right? And so this idea that in our lives that the foundations of our spiritual life, our relationship with God are rooted in part in a kind of study or reflection. He says science, I think totally subverts even what we, I think even more so yeah. if it was true in his time. How many times have, have we both heard the reason I don't believe in God is because I'm more of a science guy. guy. Yeah. Right. I'm more of the sciences. And C.S. Lewis' response is that if you were really in the sciences, <laughs> you would, you'd, you'd know yeah. that there, ha- there is a God that would lead yeah. you to God. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so he gets on later on about how science and moderate contemporary science is usually uh, too, so much focused on just how to practically do something rather on how the why behind it. Yeah, the (laughs) mystery of how it happened. Just about pure function, utilitarian, Mm -hmm. pure utilitarian. Science is basically a tool, but to the extent that science uh, reflects on the mechanisms by which that tool is used, that he talks about, um, in fact, he says, try to get him to think about economics or social things. Don't have him think about uh, the atomic theory. You start talking about atomic theory, now he's kind of thinking of invisible forces. He's thinking about things that are perhaps not easily seen, touched, and interacted with. Well, now he says, now you're halfway to, oh, there could be a a force that goes beyond this. Well, why is there something rather than nothing? Already you got him thinking, he says, better to, and he gives the example, Screwtape gives the example of when he was tempting someone and he was in the British Museum and he was an atheist and he got thinking about some deeper questions of life. And he said, if I would have in that moment said, don't think about these things that would have caused him to say, yes, I really need to think about things. It was this kind of reverse psychology where he thought it, where he implants the temptation. This is so important that I couldn't possibly do it on an empty stomach. Exactly. (laughs) Let me get some lunch first. Yes. And I can think about more fully. That's right. I'm a Mike Peckish. Yeah. (laughs) And it's fantastic. I mean, just, uh, yeah. Yeah. And he says, and so then he goes, and he goes out the door and then he sees the bus and then he sees the the newspaper. And this is real life. Yeah. And then, and then then all of a sudden he's distracted and he sees the, 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 the larger questions of life are just kind of like left back in the library kind of thing. So, so it it really is kind of a, that the road to hell is paved with distraction and particularly distraction from, from study. If we're not Mm -hmm. studying, can't really make serious progress in our spiritual Mm -hmm. life. And so if you're joining for us with us for the screw tape letters and doing a little study, a little reflection, you're on the right road. Yeah. <laughs> Number two. So that's that, that's that's kind of the the the, the um, origins of of uh, one. And just to maybe uh, just say one final thing about that. It's just that idea that ordinary that the road to hell is paved with ordinariness. Uh, and to flip that around though, too, uh, heaven has its own kind of ordinariness, which which he's gonna, which he's going to talk about. But it's just those 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 things that um, I don't know if you've heard this ever. That someone said, when it comes to discipline and the virtues that we need, you, you'll never be regret saying no to instant gratification right like you always even if it's tough in that moment later on you're like oh yeah i'm i'm you know i, I feel good about that decision and, yeah. and when and once you give in instant gratification it's hard to take back right, right? yeah and you have to just kind of whereas if you just wait you can always you can always say yes to it just a bit if you wait sometimes it it goes away. Like you're like, oh, I want that second piece of cake or something. Like yeah. if you say no to it, well, maybe in five minutes you've forgotten totally about that second yeah. piece of chocolate cake. So, so anyway, the the ordinariness, the banality of of temptation, is what comes through in that first uh, letter, that first chapter, which leads us to chapter two. Take us away from disappointment. Well, 
yeah, so uh, the second letter really has to deal with that. I mean, it uh, according to the plot, though, mm-hmm. um, Wormwood has allowed our patient to become a Christian at uh, mm. at his uncle's severe disappointment. <laughs> severe disappointment. Um, but uh, but and then he goes turning. He's like, okay, this is what we can do with this mess. You mm-hmm. will get punished, but this is what yeah. you have to do with this mess. Yeah, and um, and uh, allowing uh us to glimpse into how the demonic would see the church yeah right so i mean yeah. so there's this p- first section saying like don't allow him to see the church mm-hmm. from from how we would see it of yeah. this institution that's laid down in eternity and all these really strangely beautiful images yeah but rather allow him to focus on the ordinary believers that are around you and focus on their uh their overt humanity that yeah like this person always has bad breath or that yes. person is always like the, the service or that thing. Like, like, make him focus on the, the the two human part of the church. Yes. And then by seeing, being disappointed about how ordinary the church can be, maybe he can fall away to the lay side. Exactly. It's, it's interesting. He, he gives the example of romanticizing. Mm-hmm. Right? He says, he says, keep the pa- the patient's Christian. Okay. Nothing we can do about that but let's keep him at a romantic level, so yeah. to speak, or at least at a fanciful level, which doesn't exist to see the church in these kind of like uh, terms of just like, you know, the, the, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, that kind of thing. And it just, and then, so then when he comes and experiences, you know, the organs of the loft key, the, yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the children in the pew uh, in front of you are misbehaving and the parents don't know how to rightly, right. you know, discipline their children, can't really hear the lector, the homily mm. is long and boring. Like, right, right. And then it's just like, well, this isn't the body of Christ. This isn't the bride. This, this isn't the heavenly, you know, we, this is what we believe that the, that heaven comes to earth at the liturgy, right? Mm-hmm. This doesn't feel like that. This doesn't look like it. It's so ornate. It can't possibly be true. Yeah. Right. So it's a temptation of, of discouragement, disappointment. We've, I, I call this uh, kind of the retreat effect where like you go, hmm. well, you go on retreat yeah. sometimes and you just are fired up and you're like on this emote. There's, I'll put it this way. Yeah. The emotional connectivity with our faith is totally synced. So we're right. on a high, whereas as far as we can tell, in fullness of God's grace, mm-hmm. everything is making sense. We're feeling blessed. We're being a blessing to others. We're being confirmed in the faith. The Lord is confirming through our actions. And then you come back from retreat and kind of hit the right. <laughs> hit the real world. And it's like, all of a sudden, it takes one sharp word or disappointing moment mm-hmm. or uh, you know, kind of like back and forth in the community with a brother or yeah, know, and then, just unpleasant uh, moment. Yeah. And you're like, <sighs> all the graces you received at that <laughs> yeah. retreat go, go out the window. Yeah. And I love the analogy he gives. He says, it's like the young... Uh, the young boy who loves the Greek myths, love to hear like tales yeah. of the Odyssey. Right. But then when he, when he comes to actually having to learn Greek to read them for himself, <laughs> there's right, no that's use right. for reading Greek, right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so we love the stories. We love the pageantry. We love what the faith gives us. Yeah. But it's very difficult to actually operate within the lived reality mm-hmm. and the fragility of it in the ordinariness. Yeah. So he says to basically to cast your patient and tempt him uh, and uh, to be shipwrecked on the real, the, the, the shoals of, of disappointment and discouragement. Mm-hmm. And once again, I, I have to say that how many times in our own lives uh, where we say to ourselves, gosh, I wish I, I, I must've done something wrong. I'm not feeling blessed or I'm, I will get mm-hmm. to this later suffering or in some ways not feeling it. Yeah. And we think yeah. somehow that's not a sign that God's not present. And, now that's just classic temptation. Yeah. Classic temptation. Faith is work, 
right? Yes. I mean, it takes a lot of work to deepen our relationship it, with God. Exactly. Right? And sometimes that work is going against each other, right? Yep. Yep. You know, so or seeing through each other's uh, imperfections and just seeing that Christ is in that person as well. And in fact, he uh, screw tape warns Woodward at the uh, Wormwood at the end of this yeah. letter. Mm-hmm. If he pushes through this aridity, this first kind of dry spell, yeah. you're in trouble. Yeah. Because right. that's a real bright line, a kind of movement of the soul. Yeah. And to encourage all of us that yeah. when we've experienced disappointment, discouragement, dryness, mm, blessings are on the other side, but we have to push through that. We yeah. have to persevere. Mm-hmm. We have to have the sense of patience. And, mm-hmm. and so he ends by saying, don't let him push through this, right? Basically discourage him enough, keep discouraging yeah. him. And then he, he hints at the sense of, um, even if it means you allow him to grow in virtue, that he might look at others and say, well, you know, I, yeah, yeah I, I, I'm, I like the, the I the, got through it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then to kind of just say, even if he's to whatever extent he's successful, try to plant the seeds of pride right. and uh, nice. kind of hypocrisy yeah. towards others and saying, yeah. well, well, why can't other people do this? You know, I mean, maybe I should just be in another church. Maybe I should do, you know, <laughs> something else that kind of thing. So to have a, a air of superiority. So yeah. he says, he says, he, he hit him with dryness. If he doesn't immediately collapse, then make him feel good about overcoming some of that dryness yeah. by hitting him in hitting him with a little pride. Right. So yeah. it's, it's really kind of like, ooh, insidious. I mean, it's about too, about like, about the relationship of my relationship, my relationship with Christ and how that's affected by the Christians that are around us mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. So, um, and that leads us to the third level, level, letter. 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 About chapter. family. Weaponizing right? family. That's what I call this chapter. <laughs> yeah. Just. So in terms, uh, of, the, in wow. terms of the plot of the story. Yeah. Uh, the patient is living with his mom. Mm-hmm. And once again, this, he clarifies at the beginning. Uh, C.S. Lewis says this is kind of a live caricature. But at this point, the patient is going to be tempted by Wormwood to see his mother as basically being annoying, being shrill, <laughs> being all about being bossy, being yeah. overbearing and all the way. So he says, basically, weaponize that relationship such that the the patient can see nothing but this kind of image of annoyance mm-hmm. uh, and overbearing that 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 she can be in times, but just basically accentuate that. And that's all there is. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and do it in such a way that um, you have him even at least name that he's doing this for her spiritual good. Yeah. And spiritualizing it. Yeah. yeah. Spiritualize it. That's yeah. what I thought was really like it. So it's not just like, Oh, my mom's an evil woman, but, but to say, you know what, it, it, to bring to prayer your mother's needs. Right. Yeah. You know, if she would just smile more, be more gentle or be more, and so all of a sudden you're praying, Lord, thank God I'm not like the publican in right. the back. Yeah, exactly. who I fast three times yeah. a week and I, I pay my tithes yeah. and I do it. So this is where he's kind of Currying some of that. And this is where pride comes in from the previous uh, letter of yes. saying that of all of mom's inadequacies and impatience and whatever is wrong with her has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I'm a perfect Christian, but it's <laughs> all that person that, you know, exactly. a complete criminal. Yeah. Screw tape says, I have known, I've had patience, people he's tempted of my own, and I've had them so well in hand, I could turn them from a moment's notice from being an impassioned prayer for one's wife or one's son to immediately beating or insulting them without a qualm. Yeah. So it's kind of like you can go from <laughs> praying mm-hmm. to the next moment 
you know, basically, you know, saying something sharp or unkind to them yeah. or acting that way. And I, I have to say, you, we have church, you know, and, yeah. uh, you know, we, you know, we have liturgy and all go in peace. Amen. Let's go radiating the joy. I can't tell you how many times there are in the parking lot kerfuffles in the parking lot, <laughs> and I think of this. Uh, I go like, "Oh yeah," and it happens to me too. Where you yeah, yeah. you come out of restaurant, and then someone's like, "Oh, they there's a complaint or something," and it could be rightly or wrong. Oh, the bathrooms aren't working. It's like, "Oh my gosh!" You know, all yeah. of a sudden, <laughs> you, you know, the, the only is any moment to try to subvert that, and so uh, to make sure our prayer isn't simply and uh, basically. Prayers can be easily spiritualized in a way that make them just forms of uh, selfishness, where it's right. just yeah. all about myself. Mm-hmm. It's all about what God's doing for me, and it's not outward focused yeah. at all. And it doesn't challenge us actually to do something about our inadequacies and on, on yeah, exactly. our own imperfections. And then I know we've 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 talked about this before in terms of interaction, especially amongst the brothers. We have there's mm-hmm. this little phrase that we we're called the suspect the good in yes. each other. We're supposed mm-hmm. to to not impugn motives and uh, motivations to actions without a sense of generosity of mm-hmm. spirit, uh, and how easily we can translate someone's actions or behaviors with an underlying motivation that's simply not there. So yeah. he says, mm-hmm. tempt him to think when his mom, you know, is at the breakfast table and, you know, asked for tea in the past, kind of the past, the tea, she's doing it because she's either lazy or trying to make a point right. or mm-hmm. trying to, you know, but basically kind of assume the worst, get him to suspect yeah. the worst. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's kind of like the, um, you know, when you, <laughs> it's, you know, you, you step onto the street and if you, 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 you step in bird droppings, you think, oh crap. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get you. I was hoping to get you on that one. Didn't. No reaction. All right. <laughs> I'm trying to. No. no, but you don't. I mean, it's like, it's like, ah, oh, you know, it's uh, not that, but it's not like you think that, I mean, we droppings are where they are, right? It's, there's yeah. no malicious. I go, it's the same thing. Go out outside, step on a piece of gum. And what am I thinking? I'm not thinking, oh, there's, you know, gum on my shoe. I'm thinking, who's that yeah, who's lazy, that lazy dog, yeah, you yeah. know, that so-and-so littering, you know, you know, person. So I'm impugning maliciousness as if. There, that gum was there to just snare me, right? Yeah, so for so, your particular bad, exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And how easily we can impugn people's motivations uh, rather than simply being generous of, of spirit. And he said mm-hmm. this classic, classic temptation where we translate motivations instead of simply saying, "Okay, this is what's happening," but can I maybe see this from their point of view, putting the right. shoe on the other foot mm-hmm. or it's mm-hmm. always being generous with spirit. He's saying, he says, you can work them up. And this is um, uh, screw tape telling to work with the other uh, tempter. I think he's uh, was at Glubos. Glubos, yeah. Glubos, yeah. he says, he says, warm word, get together with Glubos and get working together so that each one of them, patient and mother, are basically suspecting the worst. Yeah. So yeah. it's the same behavior. The behavior, the, yeah. you, don't, you don't have to get them to do anything different. You just have, have to, to have them think differently. Exactly. Give yeah. them a different mentality yeah. of either mm-hmm. suspecting the good or being generous yeah. in a sense, or in a sense, it's all about me. They're doing this to attack. This is an yeah. attack yeah. in some way. I, once You're again, always out the gut, mate. Exactly. Statements yeah. like, you always do this, right? Yeah. Oh, Amongst yeah. couples. There mm-hmm. is like, like, you never, like making, yeah. whenever there's an absolute statement that happens between family relations of a negative sort, this is, this is classic. <laughs> 
this is yeah this yeah. is classic right yeah. this is classic because the reality is no one is either all good or bad and, and yeah. that's what what screw tape says he says he goes let's face it no one's all good or bad but get them to see the other person in the extreme of yeah. of what yeah. they're doing that might be bad behavior but impugn the worst motivations mm-hmm. to that behavior oh just once again insidious and yeah. and so real and Unfortunately, I examine my own life. Yeah. So true, yeah. <laughs> right? right? Where we, it's not just the action, but it's the motivation behind the action mm-hmm. that really can get us in that way. Um, chapter four. Chapter four. What do we got here? We've, we've, we've got the attack on prayer here. Yeah. So, I mean, it is that uh, chapter of like, uh, what's so funny about it is that how the letter starts off is that um, it is clear that screw tape, this is the last thing he wants to talk about. <laughs> yes, it's true. <laughs> It's true that the devils don't like prayer, yeah. but he's got a way of spinning prayer, doesn't he? Right. So uh, of, of just how to uh, use prayer in such a way, again, to kind of continue what we were saying about the third letter, mm-hmm. just that just make this completely inapl- inapplicable to my everyday life. <laughs> yeah. And, and here I think what's particularly relevant is he talks about how to make that prayer simply an extension of the patient's emotional life. Right. And his kind of psychological state of being, yeah. he says, uh, and in a way, get him to focus so much on himself and his emotion that he isn't grounded in the reality of, of talking to the enemy, as he says, right. right? Of communicating with the enemy. Interesting. Lewis does bring up. Uh, this is very surprising to me, but he critiques very strongly spontaneous kind of what we call charismatic prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, "Pray like that," because the, uh, he tempts Wormwood to to have the patient do basically spontaneous emotional prayer to work up those emotions. And he says, keep him from those tried and true prayers. Um, yeah. Don't let him say the Lord's prayer. Don't let him say that. Try to keep him away from that. And cause I would think he'd want to attempt to do just rote prayers just without thinking, but, and I'm sure that that is, that can be a temptation for sure. But the yeah. way that he approaches this is to have the screw tape devil focusing on the emotions more than just the kind of roteness mm-hmm. of it. And, it got me thinking about how there is such a wide difference between feeling something and how we choose to behave that really is, in all of our lives, a real turning point mm-hmm. in our lives. So he brings up forgiveness. And I, every homily I give on forgiveness, mm-hmm. in some way or another, touch on the fact that forgiveness has absolutely nothing to do with feelings. Like yeah. forgiveness and feelings are not the same thing. And we might feel good or we might feel bad. Doesn't really matter at the end of the day towards forgiveness. And he says, get the patient to focus on praying to feel forgiven yeah. or forgiving rather than actually being forgiven right. or actually forgiving the other person. Yeah. Ask, have him focus. And this comes back to in the, in the last letter we'll do for today, chapter six. He says, ask him to pray for courage but do it in a way that the prayer is really to feel courageous, yeah, to feel right, right. emboldened, to feel encouraged rather than actually having courage, which is actually feeling fear. You can't, yeah. yeah. F- courage means you feel fear mm-hmm. <laughs> and you yeah. feel it rightly and yet you don't let it overwhelm you, right? right? And so it's interesting that he says that the strategy of Satan is always to basically just get us in our feelings, right? Yeah. And to make our yeah. prayer all about our feelings. 
And the way to do that is to veer away from the tried and true prayers and traditions. So it's like, he's not a Catholic, but for Catholics, prayers like this is why the rosary is powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't get stuck in your feelings when you're, it's harder to get stuck in yeah. your feelings when you're kind of, when there's a roadmap with the mm-hmm. Hail Marys and the Glory Bees to, to kind of focus and direct yourself. Yeah. He mentions body posture here too. Yeah. He says, ah, you, you get them to, to pray in a, in a way which is uh, inattentive to the fact that if you're kneeling down, you're in a, in a yeah. petitionary kind That's of right. thing. I right. just kind of yeah. sit back on the couch and do it. Not, not that there's anything. St. Teresa yeah. certainly says, don't you, you want to be in a, a comfortable enough place where you, you, where you're connecting, you know, and you're not distracted. But at the same time, our body posture is why we stand, sit and kneel. There's yeah. A, our a body posture says something. They say about something. About our life of prayer and our, how we address God. Yeah, exactly. And then the last thing he says about prayer that I found insightful and maybe uh, you did too, is he says, never, never let him get to, just like never let the patient be able to push through aridness or dryness, get him stuck in the uh, in those rocks of disappointment uh, from the second chapter. He says, never let the patient sustain silence yeah. for any amount of time. Right. Always keep, Keep that inner dialogue rolling. Keep it focused on the kind of like the self-help kind of, we call the self-help kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. All about me. What am I, what am I, what's God doing for me? Well, how, can, how can I get better to say? And to, to, to basically, if he starts, if his, if his soul kind of starts quieting down and seeing science, he says, you're in trouble. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just like, because as the Elijah wow. story would say, yes. I mean, that's where God speaks most profoundly in the silence. Absolutely. So that's exactly where you don't want the patient to be. That's right. Yeah. So that, that's where God's willing to know in the science. So, so keep them from science. Keep silence. If our, if our day and our lives are bombarded with noise and attention and things, even if it's prayer, even if it's spiritual things, even mm-hmm. if it's divine liturgy for three hours, and they, yeah. that's good. But if there's not silence, there's absolutely, once again, no way that can take root. This is why Mary mm-hmm. reflected on all these things in her in heart, heart. Yeah. right? And that's that's where the tempter, to the extent that Mary was tempted, that's where the tempter was defeated. Yeah. Not in the fact that she gave birth to the Son of God mm-hmm. or the, 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 that moment of finding Jesus at the temple. It's yeah. that, those last lines of those little stories. Mary went home and reflected on all these things in her heart. That's where any yeah. temptation was definitively yeah. and decisively defeated right right in in in, towards whatever that temptation amen yeah Yeah. um chapter five and six uh let's these kind of terms of strategies boy we're 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 getting up there and i thought this was going to be a shorter podcast (laughs) not Uh, at all you've said that three weeks not at all not at all this is, I think this is, this I mean, is all this good is, stuff. This is all good stuff. But ch- so, so chapter this five. This has been material we've been wanting to talk about it's for true. two months. So, hey, I, I'm okay with it. After getting, I was halfway through and I thought there's no way we can do this in one pot. I mean, we could, but there's so many things, so much richness yeah. here. So let's, let's take our time. Chapter five, the double edged sword of suffering. Right. Yeah. So the context for this chapter, of course, is the world war that's yeah. happening and, and and it just opened. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of fear, obviously trepidation. The, the, the patient himself uh, for the plot of the story is worried about getting drafted. Mm-hmm. In He's fact, at that age. Yeah. So, so it means even those ages and specified probably, you know, late twenties or thirties yeah. sometime in, in there. And, and Wormwood is cautioned by screw tape, not to be overconfident in the evil that the war can spread. 
Mm-hmm. This is interesting because yeah, I think this was fascinating. Well, it, it's kind of like, um, well, right now we're in a pandemic, right? Right. <laughs> so, so the, and so we can just translate as, you know, uh, as mutatis mutantis, as they say, yep. you know, um, the, the idea that whenever there's kind of global conflict or difficulty or, or evil that's out there or struggle that you might think, Oh, the devil's really excited. There's chaos that's happening. And, Screwtape says suffering and chaos can have a double-edged sword because on the one hand, people can start to despair, mm-hmm. right? They can, there's evil, people die. There's, there's true tragedy and that can lead people just to kind of give up, kind of to mm-hmm. despair in that way. And if, if despair is always the devil's end game, no matter what right. it is, any of those seven deadly sins we talk about that are uh, discussed and he'll get to more of those later on, the end game of all of them is Despair. Despair. Mm-hmm. Despair. Because once you hit despair, that means you, by definition... You have no hope in God. No hope in God. And yeah. if there's no hope, then there's no life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, the idea then that you could be dis- the war could lead to despair, the pandemic could lead to despair, is what naturally on the surface, uh, when we're all excited about, oh, this, this great war is going to be a field day for the minions of darkness and so forth. Skutev says, maybe, but caution, because periods of suffering and great tribulation and tragedy can also get people to think about what he was saying in the first letter can think about the deeper things can think about the life of the invisible to think about Mm -hmm. significance and perspective and that can actually be more damaging (laughs) to the project of getting people to hell than if you would just keep them as he says in contented worldliness Right. That phrase really yeah. stood out to mm-hmm. me. Just like the perhaps the most advantageous position for a te- for the devil to be in or forces darkness to tempt us is when everything's just kind of going along smoothly. Right. right. No bumps in the road. Just kind of easy, comfortable mm-hmm. living. That's just and there's the, that creates the illusion of every struggle that the spiritual life truly is. And so he says to try to try to not get too overconfident in suffering because suffering can actually be uh, actually a, a real force uh, for evil in this case, yeah. force for, 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 for good and evil. And so, and in fact says at the end that the reality is that redemption is only gained through suffering. Mm-hmm. That's why the enemy's son <laughs> yeah. chose suffering, or at least accepted that suffering as the means of redemption. And so, in that way, if you can keep him from suffering in such a way that it becomes redemptive, better to just keep those sufferings at a minimum. Right. Exactly. Because, way, yeah. Because what the suffering do is allows us to show, allows us to see what our priorities are. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so. The advice is, is for Wormwood to keep the patient's life comfortable. Yeah. I usually don't and think classic. of I don't yeah. I usually don't think of like how's the devil tempting me? Ah, because everything's going fine. It's just kind of everything's kinda of comfortable. Yeah. You don't think of that as a temptation. You think that as like, oh God's just he's with me and everything's yeah. going good. The comfortability could be a temptation. Yeah. That. Because there's no challenge, there's no encouragement to do any changes, there's whatever. No growth. No. Yeah, there's no growth. No, no pain, no gain, right? Yeah. In a spiritual way. So he's like, ah, don't give him no pain. Just then there's, there's no growth. Yeah. So very interesting kind of, certainly in his own time when he was writing this, a kind of encouragement to those who were perhaps on the verge of despair in his own time. Mm-hmm. So uh, in the plot way, that certainly works literarily. But I, I think even as a deeper spiritual insight, 
that comfortability and, and the prosperity gospel, which of course right. I'm always going to be yeah. forefront of saying is insidious, is yeah. really a half, a half truth, therefore a half lie. The idea that uh, God blesses us or that comfortability is the effect of God's presence mm-hmm. um, is in blessing is just not, not true. That there's no pain, no gain, no redemption without suffering no glory without the cross, no right. resurrection, yeah. no resurrection without the crucifixion. You cannot have Easter Sunday without Good Friday. Amen. So that's, that's so. The, the letter, which leads us to the, the last uh, chapter, um, or at least the one, last one we're going to do for, for today. For today. The, 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 yeah. the sixth letter is all about fear. fear. Yeah. And uh, the plot has to do with him being drafted. I don't know if mm-hmm. you didn't pick up on this one. Yeah, and and he he's of that age to be drafted, so there's a lot of fear there about whether or not about his future, mm-hmm. and so it's so uh, so he ends up uh, screw tape advises him that he just reads all these things about um, Christian or non Christian sources about the Germans, all these other things, distracting him left and right in order to not assuage his fear, but rather to increase it. Yeah, he becomes so inundated by the news and this this mm-hmm. victory or loss, mm-hmm. he becomes consumed by fear itself. He says, he says, get him, as he says. He goes, fear is easier to master when the patient's mind is diverted from the thing feared to the fear itself. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And so he says, inundate him with so many fearful images and stories and in the newspaper and possibilities yeah. Yeah. that it's just, be paralyze him yeah. in that way. He becomes fearful fearful i could not i when i was reading this i was totally thinking of covid yeah. because yeah. if you spend your days on the news reading the internet yeah. or watching the news about all the all the pandemic yeah. i mean we, we we obviously have to be healthy we have to, we, keep, we have to keep up to date that's oh, not yeah 100 we got to be healthy we got to do with the best practices but if you spend you know four five six seven hours a day just consumed in covid news it's going to be very hard to be able to get out of bed. Yeah. It's going to be hard not to be consumed by fear. And this yeah. is exactly what he's warning against. Mm-hmm. So, so if you are feeling anxious or overwhelmed by COVID chapter six, just go right to that chapter, yeah. mm-hmm. read that chapter. And every time it says war <laughs> or battles, yeah. submit pandemic and right. virus. Yeah. And you have exactly the same scenario. And, I think you have a real insight into how that can be a temptation and the juxtaposition is, okay, so once again, we don't go to the extreme where we kind of, we're certainly up to date on wh- mm-hmm. what best practices are. Hopefully as a church, we'll be able to uh, open our doors publicly again soon uh, and have f- fullness of sacraments in every way. But n- let's not let the fear of the thing that is causing the fear consume the actual reality yeah. in a way that paralyzes us. So that's that's chapter six. So what, what do we got there? We we got to just to, to, to sum up. We've got those initial strategies of Satan. Mm-hmm. Those uh, I think five strategies where well, I guess success strategies that mm-hmm. we we went today. So the distraction, mm-hmm. discouragement, weaponizing family. Yeah. Uh, then we had of uh, um, uh, these. Uh, what was that? Uh, prayer. Oh, prayer. Oh, yeah. yeah just yeah, basically yeah, kind of like inverting prayer. A sense of uh, uh, su- the, t- the two-edged the sword, sword of suffering, suffering and, and of fear. course inundating yourself with fear. Fear, yes, yeah. the emotional life. So yeah, that's a yeah. So gosh, that's easy. Distraction, discouragement, weaponizing family, being emotionally prayerful, or just mm-hmm. kind of like it's all yeah. about emotions yeah. and kind of emotionalizing our spiritual life. Right. That's what I was thinking. Emo- emotionalizing. So weaponizing yeah. family and emotionalizing our our inner life. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, kind of the two-edged sword of suffering. 
and to despair. And then finally, that, that idea that fear can itself um, exponentially, you know, paralyze us yeah. yeah when we're not focused at so yeah. so if, if you are uh joining us for this podcast and you haven't read the letters you can jump in we're going to be hopefully doing this uh once we'll, we'll put out another uh podcast i think hopefully this next week in the next little chunk uh they're easy to read jump on yeah. in uh hopefully this uh, has led you to not only uh engage in the work but also to think more deeply about how the lord might be uh prompting you in, in a way uh to grow during this uh, time so thank you for listening in and watching in. You know how to help us out about sharing on Facebook and, uh, and all those other social media. Like us, review us, say good things about us. And may all that we do truly radiate the joy of the gospel here in the heart of the city. Amen. Amen.